Take your Bible, please, and turn with me to the book of Ephesians and go to chapter 5. Ephesians and chapter number 5. A few years ago, I was here and preached this message, but I couldn't get it off my mind as I was flying last night on Delta and coming here. It just seems the right time at this Thanksgiving time to talk about this subject again. Stand please for the reading and teaching of the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's one sentence, but out of it I want to take one of the verses. Look down please at verse 20, and let's say together verse 20. Ready? Here we go. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning's message, an attitude of gratitude. Thank you very much. You may be seated and we'll pray together. Heavenly Father, we enter your gates with thanksgiving, your courts with praise. Bless you for who you are. Thank you for this wonderful student body, for the administration, the philosophy here, the direction that's God-centered. Now I pray I can be a help and a blessing in the next few moments. And I pray you'll teach us all how to have an attitude of gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen. Evangelist R.A. Torrey was a powerful preacher of the Word of God. He often illustrated aggressive evangelism by talking about a terrible wreck and boating accident on Lake Michigan. Meanwhile, on the shore, there were a number of college students that formed a rescue team. Among them was a man by the name of Edward Spencer. According to those who were there, he single-handedly rescued 17 people. Just before he passed out, he said to a friend, did I do my best? Do you think I did my best? Tory was in Los Angeles, California, preaching a crusade. Started into that illustration, somebody in the congregation said, Mr. Tory, Mr. Spencer is here in the service tonight. He said, Mr. Spencer, if you are here, would you please stand? A man elderly who never recovered from the frigid waters in Lake Michigan stood slowly and people went into applause. He said, Mr. Spencer, would you come to the platform and tell us in first person about that night when you rescued 17 people? He did and detailed exactly what took place. When he finished, Tory got up and put his arm around Mr. Spencer and said, Sir, is there anything in your mind that is more prominent than anything else about the night that God used you to rescue 17 people. Mr. Spencer said, yes, there is. Of the 17 people that I rescued, nobody ever said thanks. That's too typical of our generation. 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2, this knew also in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. In the midst of those 19 heinous sins, comes that phrase, unthankful. Paul wrote in Romans 1 and verse 21, neither were thankful. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, when the fire of gratitude dies on the altar of man's heart, that man is nigh well hopeless. I wonder today if you have an attitude of gratitude. The word gratitude is never found in the Bible, but the word thanks and thanksgiving are found 131 times in 127 verses of Scripture, it's a theme that is prominent. What is gratitude? It's the cheerful acknowledgement to God and to others of how they blessed and benefited my life. Let me say it again. It's the cheerful acknowledgement to God and to others of how they have blessed and benefited my life. 
The old Anglo-Saxon term for the word uh, thanks comes from the word to think. Thoughtful people are thankful people. Say it with me. Thoughtful people are thankful people. The apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and talks to them about being spirit-filled. He said a truly spirit-filled individual is a man or a woman who has an attitude of gratitude. If you take notes, let me make it easy for you. Number one, I want you to see the communication of gratitude. Look at the text. The Bible says giving thanks always. Giving thanks means that you don't just do it mentally and think those thoughtful things, but you do it verbally. Hebrews 13, 15, by him let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually Hear it now. That's the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. Psalm 50 and verse 14, give thanks unto the Lord. Psalm 92 and verse 1 is a good thing to give thanks. That means it's a bad thing if you do not. Would you like to have your prayers answers? Psalm 100 and verse 4 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Go through the Psalms and look at all the gratitude that is shown by the psalmist. In Psalm 105, 106, and 107, the first verse says this, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Can I ask you this morning, are you the kind of person who is living with an attitude of gratitude? You see, ladies and gentlemen, when you're really filled with God, God-filled people are grateful people. Would you say that with me? God-filled people are grateful people. Say it again. I want it to get in your mind. God-filled people are grateful people. Some of you may have heard of Johnny Erickson Tata, tragic diving accident when she was 17 years of age. She had to, as a quadriplegic, learn how to write by putting a pen in her teeth. The first sentence that she wrote was this, gratitude is not as much feeling thankful as it is obedience. I wonder if you're understanding the communication of gratitude. But the second, I want you to see the continuation of gratitude. For the Bible says, giving thanks always. Somebody asked me one time, what does always mean? Here's what it means. Always, always means always. That's what always, always means. You say, preacher, say it again. Always, always means always. That's what always, always means. You want to try that? Always, always means always. That's what always, always means. That means like breathing, you should have an attitude of gratitude. The Bible says in Psalm 34 and verse 1, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 4, I thank God for you always. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, the Bible says, giving thanks to God always. In other words, it should be perpetual praise. Some of you are hunters and there are different hunting seasons, but it's open season on praise. Some of you are ball players, and there are different seasons for different sports. But it's open season on this matter of gratitude, and we should be not seasonal, but completely, com- uh, continually giving thanks to Jesus Christ about everything he brings our way. You say, preacher, what about the tough times? Alexander White was a famous preacher in Scotland. He was known as the praising preacher. It had rained for three consecutive days. It was still raining on Sunday. The congregation came together wondering what Pastor White would praise God for on this Sunday morning when it was just being flooded outside with rain. He got up and said, may we pray. Here was his prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you that every day 
is not like today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when you get through with some courses, you may have to say, thank God that every day is not like today. There are things that we go through, but we're still, still supposed to have perpetual gratitude. I've shown you this morning the communication of it, the continuation of it. I want you to see in closing the concentration of it. Notice the Bible says, giving thanks always for all things. What are some things we can give thanks to God for? Here's the first one that comes to my mind. I'm privileged to live in the United States of America, and I thank God for freedom. If you're glad we have freedom in these United States, would you say amen? amen. Has it been irritating you that NFL players would take a knee when the Pledge of Allegiance is being said or the Star Spangled Banner is going up? I'll tell you what they ought to do, Dr. Getch. They ought to take a knee and thank God for the millions of dollars they're making in a land of the free and the home of the brave. Try that somewhere else. Psalm 127.1, the Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes but in vain. We're not the nation we are primarily because of all of our missiles and nuclear power. We are what we are because Almighty God brought this nation into existence. And I, for one, want to stand and say thank God for the freedoms we enjoy. I've been in 54 different nations preaching the word of God. And I want to say to you, most of the places do not know the freedom we have. Estimated by some 75 to 80% of our different countries across the world do not have the freedoms we have in the United States. I wonder if you thought what it takes to have this kind of freedom. My father was in World War II. I have respect for that generation that Tom Brokoff called the great generation. Having gone to Germany, my wife and I were doing meetings and I said, I want to go to Dachau. If you ever have a chance to go to a concentration camp, it will help you appreciate the liberties that you're enjoying in this country. When we got there, there is a museum. My wife went through one room, got physically sick because of the pictures. She said, honey, I cannot do this. I'll wait for you in the lobby. I went through and looked at every picture. Here are men being plowing just like animals stacks of human bodies, things that are so graphic I would not talk about in your presence, and tears flowed down my cheeks. I said, we've never known anything like this in the United States of America. We then went out and stood in the courtyard. It was March. The wind was blowing. It was cold. My wife said, honey, it's bitter out here in this wind. I said, baby doll, imagine standing here with no coat, just the issue to the prisoners and they would drop over during sometimes just in, in the morning, just drop over dead. We went into a couple of rebuilt barracks. How anybody could sleep in those little bunks is beyond me. They were flea infested and rodent, rodents all over that place. And then we, in many of these places, you will find they have the crematoriums. But before that, they would take them to the gas chambers. Now, they acted as if they were going to give them a shower. They would zip their hair off and put that in to make pillows for the army. They would take the gold out to put it in the coffers of the Third Reich. Then they would pack them in, and as they looked, thinking that water was coming, gas would come. In a matter of moments, hundreds are dead. I went into the area where they would burn the bodies. And I laid down and looked up in and I thought, I wonder how many were in this as they were incinerated and those ashes went throughout the community as most of the people in that area had no idea of exactly what was going on. And when I walked out of Dachau, tears rolled down my cheeks and one more time I said, thank you, Lord Jesus. I was born in the United States of America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. 
I am thankful today for my freedom. I'm thankful today for my faculties. The word faculty means the power to do. Would everybody wave at me this morning? Do you know how you had the power to do that? God gave you that power. Proverbs 20 and verse 12, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made both of them. They can make eyes, but they can't see. They can put an ear on the side of the, hear, ear, uh, side of the head, but it can't hear. God makes those. Ecclesiastes 12, 1 says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Could I ask you a question? How long has it been since you were thankful for the body that God gave you? Stop and think of the mechanical marvel that God has placed in that seat that is you. Everybody take your hand and make a fist at it for just a minute, would you? Look at that just about the size of your heart. Now, if you're a young man, your heart is a little bit bigger than a young lady's. Somebody asked me one time, why is a boy's heart a little bigger than a girl's heart? Because it takes more love for a man to love a woman than the woman to love a man, that's why. And so your heart is just a little bit bigger. And so that heart will pump and rest. Do you know it's gonna do it 100,000 times today? 2.5 billion times in a lifetime. Most of you did not get up this morning and say, don't quit on me, baby, we're both in trouble. You did not do that. You don't really even think about that. It pumps and rests and pumps and rests, and it's amazing how methodical it is. If you're asleep, the thump, the thump, the thump. If you're running, thump, 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 thump. Aren't you glad your heart doesn't get confused when you're in bed thinking you're running, it'd blow you out of bed. And then some of you guys, when she comes by, thump, 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 thump. Because you have been made by God. It, it pumps 10 pints of blood through 60,000 miles of veins, arteries, and capillaries, and rarely does it ever cross your mind. You have 206 bones, 650 muscles, and 100 joints. You have been made precisely by Almighty God. You have touch receptors, about 1,300 of them per square inch. So if you put your finger on something that is hot, you do not leave it there and become a crispy critter. You immediately move because God has constructed you that way. You have thousands of little taste buds. You go to McDonald's, Big Mac, order of fries, and your taste buds start telling your mind. Salt, grease, heart attack. That's what they say. <laughs> but at least you can taste it when it's going down. Your mind can receive 10 new thoughts of information every second of life. I know you've met people who don't have 10 new thoughts in a lifetime, but you can get 10 new thoughts of information every second of life. All that is housed in 20 square feet of a waterproof covering. You say, what's that? It's called skin. Notice when you shower, you don't drown. God made you. The psalmist said, I'll praise thee for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous the works of thy hands that my soul knoweth right well. You say, but preacher, I have some physical impairments. I have some problems that I face. Well, I'll tell you what you need to do is go visit a young man that I met a few years ago in Alabama. The pastor said, now, Dr. Farrell, we're going into a specialized hospital. You're going to meet a 16-year-old young man. This, this boy has never walked and he's never talked. He described what I was going to see because he wanted to make sure I stayed in the room. When we walked in, Joey, J-O-E-Y, was laying there. Literally, he looked like a skeleton with skin across those bones. If I were to take my two fingers and put them together, that would be the biggest part of his arm anywhere. Three fingers would be the biggest part of his legs. Interesting, as Pastor went over so gently, put his hand on Joey. He said, Joey, this is Pastor. 
I've come to pray with you and brought an evangelist. Remember, Joey has never talked in his life. His eyes opened and it sounded like this. You know, young man, Joey never got turned down on a date. He couldn't say, would you go out with me? He never got caught off a ball team. He couldn't even walk out to try out. Somebody said, I complained because I had no shoes till I met a man who had no feet. You ought to be thankful every single solitary day for your faculties. Number three, I'm thankful for my family. Oh, I wish I had time to tell you about my wife and three children and five grandchildren and one coming. Hallelujah. I mean to tell you, somebody asked me, do you like being married? I like it so good. If I'd known what it was, I'd done it in elementary school. I sure would. We've been married for 44 years. If it gets any better, I'll have to go to heaven to get over it. And all of our children are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But many of you in this building are not married. You are still single, but you have family at home. Can I ask you, how long has it been since you expressed to God, thank God for my family? When's the last time you text and just said, I love you? How long has it been since you called home or wrote or sent something special to say to the ones who brought you in this world, I'm so appreciative. You realize there's about a half a million homeless children average age six. Many last night stayed under a bridge or in a cardboard box or in some abandoned building. But you have a place that you call home. A hundred million of them worldwide. Interesting, if you were to begin to go through the United States of America, you would find that there are lots of people now who are being adopted. You may be one of them. You say, well, my parents didn't want you. Well, let me tell you about the people that adopted you. They really did want you because on average it costs now about $30,000 to go through the adoption agency and secure a child. Then it's going to be somewhere around close to a quarter of a million dollars by the time they get you raised. You ought to thank God if somebody adopted you. They didn't have to have you. They wanted to have you. I'm thankful for a father that showed me how to be saved by the grace of God. 1957, he was preaching the gospel. And I realized I was a hell-bound sinner. And though my father was my father, I had no heavenly father. And I repented and received Jesus Christ. He discipled me. I thank God for a mother that walked with the Lord Jesus Christ. I miss them. 1997, dad took his flight, went to heaven. 1998, mom went to the other side. You know, all the times that I have said thank you and I'm grateful, they're all gone now. I do not send flowers to the cemetery. There's nobody there. She's been on the other side for almost 20 years. I don't make a phone call as I did every Saturday night and say, Dad, we just finished a crusade. Thanks for praying. Hey, if I'm out to 10 cents in the ministry, you'll be one of the main reasons. It's too late now. I'm asking you, are you expressing with the attitude of gratitude to your folks how they've invested in your life? Many of you could not be here without the financial investment of your parents. Some of your parents are both working so that you could be here. How long has it been since you expressed to them how much you appreciate them? Wasn't too long ago I did a rerun of my life in Greensboro, North Carolina. I went to the hospital where I was born, back to the first house we stayed in and the second. I went to the elementary school, junior high school, and senior high school. And then I went out to the cemetery. I don't often go there because my folks are not there. I've got good news for you. They're on the other side. But I went and I stood and I called my sister. She said, where are you? I said, I'm at the cemetery. She said, I'll be over in a moment. And I said to her when she came and we stood there and we looked down at the plaque at the headstone I said, wouldn't it be nice if we could go have one more meal at Cracker Barrel? 
My father's favorite restaurant was Cracker Barrel. Must be my problem because they call it the Feral Barrel, but I ain't there so often. How many of you like country ham? Raise your hand when you go to heaven. If you do not, you will learn to like it there. And at Cracker Barrel, they have it. And I said to my sister, sis, wouldn't it be great if we could just sit down and maybe just spend one hour And look across the table and one more time say, thank you for loving us. Thank you for bringing us up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Thank you for your sacrifices. Hey, young people, say it today. Say it now. Have an attitude of gratitude. And then number four, I thank God for food. How many of you like to eat? Would you raise your hand? Eating is my favorite indoor sport, and I'm getting pretty good at it. Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed be God that daily loads us with benefits. We are the breadbasket of the world. You realize in the next 60 seconds, 100 children will be born in third world countries. By the time their first birthday comes around, 40 of those 100 will be dead. They will have died from starvation or malnutrition. Most of you in this building know nothing about starvation. In the countries where I've been, I've seen the bloated bellies and I've seen the people starving. I was preaching in India. I had to get up early in the morning because it was too hot to run during the day. Tied my shoes, got ready to go. As I am running down, I notice that there's some beggars and they literally have their hands in the sewer. And they're bringing out something and wiping it on their clothes and putting it in their mouth for breakfast. You've probably never seen that. You have never done that. You ought to thank God for daily food that he gives to you. I was preaching over in uh, Africa. I was among the Maasai people. I was with my translator. They have, and I'm not trying to be gross, I'm just telling you, they make their huts out of woven together sticks and cow manure. While it's warm, they put it and pat it on there, and then it adheres, and they have this little hut. You don't stand up, you crawl in. When I sat down, there was a woman who was stirring something in a pot that made me almost nauseous. She had three little children. I said to my translator, please ask the lady, how long has it been since she and the children ate? And she said, three days. Most of you in this building have never missed three meals, but they hadn't eaten in three days. Good friend, every time you stop at the dining hall, every time you go out to eat, don't just throw up a quick prayer, thanks God for our food, and immediately the conversation. Pause for a moment and think about where you could have been born, where you could be living, and what might not be on that plate. Pause and remember to thank God for food. And let me go further and say, don't you ever complain about what God gives you to eat. If there's anything that irritates me, it's young people that complain. Hear mom and dad in the car. Okay, gang, we're going out back. Somebody, some young man in the back seat says, I don't want to go to out back. I want to go to Red Lobster at my house. We'd have gone out back and your lobster would have been red, I promise. <laughs> you wouldn't have eaten for a while, might not have sat down for about a month. Don't you ever complain about what God gives you. He is the greatest giver that can ever be and he loves you enough to provide those daily needs. And then finally, I want to thank God for my faith. Go back in Ephesians, please, to chapter 2. And look down, please, at verses 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ladies and gentlemen, salvation is a gift. Say it with me. Salvation is a gift. I know that Bible scholars like to dissect things and say, is it grace or faith? 
Well, Dr. Gantz, I'm convinced of this. All of my salvation is a gift from Almighty God. And I could not have believed had it not been the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're saved this morning, say a hearty amen. amen. Do you realize this book is what was presented to you by the power of the Holy Spirit and the good seed of the word of God took root in your life so that you could say yes to Jesus Christ. How long has it been since you really expressed gratitude for this Bible? I mean, the book of books. It's not the book of the week or the book of the month. It's the book of eternity. How long has it been since you called precious the word of the living God? Some years ago, I was in Russia. I took 15 other people with us. The wall had just fallen. We shipped in or took in 27,000 copies of the Bible. I was amazed how the Russian people received it so readily. The first day I was there, I was up before some of the rest of the preachers and had a pack of tracks and I went out on the street and they were given out in literally a matter of moments and people were begging for more. We preached on the city streets. They stopped and listened. Hundreds responded to the gospel. One night we were having a service. A friend of mine was preaching. A little lady walked in, very humble, I'm sure very poor. It was the dead of the winter and almost all she had was a tattered sweater. I looked as she uh, took and crossed her hands and two of her fingers were missing. I felt for this lady and I began to pray, oh God, open her eyes, help her to receive Jesus Christ. When the invitation was given, that lady said yes to Jesus. It was an exciting night, but something moved me in a point way I've not been moved in many, many years. The pastor, after she had been dealt with, took one of the Bibles that we had shipped in and said, we would like to give you a Bible. And she began to talk and I didn't know what she was saying. I said to my translator, what is she saying? Oh, he said, she cannot afford a Bible. She cannot, she cannot, doesn't have enough rubles. At that time when we went, a Bible costs two months salary just to have one. Oh, the pastor said, no, 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 you don't have to pay for this. This is a gift from the Americans to you now that you've received Jesus Christ. The first thing she did, ladies and gentlemen, was took that Bible and kissed it. The second thing she did is she cradled it in her arms like you'd take a little baby. And tears rolled down her cheeks. And she was saying something. I said to my translator, what's she saying? He's saying, she's saying, thank you, Jesus, for the first Bible I've ever held in my hands. Every man sitting next to me was sobbing. How long has it been since you picked up a copy of the Word of God and said, I'm a privileged person? The faith that I have was taught to me out of this wonderful book. I'm thankful for it. If you've never read a book by Harlan Popoff called Tortured for His Faith, I recommend that you get it and read it. Popoff was in prison in a communist prison for two reasons. One, he was a preacher and wouldn't quit. Two, because he wouldn't renounce his faith. On a starvation diet in that prison, many people were depressed. On one occasion, Popoff writes, he noticed there was a man as he was out walking that was in a corner of the yard and he had paper that he was pulling out of a little black book and putting in some tobacco. He would lick it, roll it over, make a homemade cigarette and was smoking. Popoff said, I got close and I couldn't believe it, but what he was pulling the paper out of was a little New Testament. He said, I was so famished with the word of God, I reached out immediately and began to tussle with him and the man argued with me and I realized it was not mine, so I let go. But he said, my starvation for the word of God was at such a fevered pitch, if he had said, cut your arm off, 
I'll give you the rest of whatever this book is. He said, without hesitation, I would have cut my arm off. He said, the man said, I don't know what this book is, but if it means that much to you, you may have it. He said, I began to devour the word of God, memorize the word of God. I knew that they would eventually come and confiscate it on a starvation diet in a terrible, terrible uh, place of that communist penitentiary. Over the next few weeks, he memorized 47 chapters of the word of God. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What do you think about this book? Were you excited when you walked into chapel today and said somebody else is going to preach the Bible? Are you excited when you go to Bible class and you open this precious book and say, I have the wonderful privilege today, and I want to express my gratitude to you, O Lord Jesus, for this tremendous love letter that you have sent to me that I have the opportunity to open and hear and receive and respond to? Do you really have an attitude of gratitude? Yonder in the hills of Tennessee lived an old man and his wife. They didn't have much, but they had each other. The old man finally passed away. The lady had not hardly enough money to even bury him. She certainly couldn't buy a headstone. She went out and got some of his crude tools and got an old rock. And she carved some words into that rock. There were only a handful of people that came to the funeral. But as they were standing there, they were all interested in that flat rock and the words that she had carved in with those crude tools. When the service was over, they walked by one at a time and read these words from a wife about her husband. He was always thankful. Do you have an attitude of gratitude? 